Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Kevin Carroll, founder of Kevin Carroll Catalyst with a K, former Nike executive. Kevin is on a mission to empower greatness in individuals and organizations through the power of positivity, creativity, and play. Since 2004, more than 350,000 people from 200 plus corporations and 150 nonprofit organizations and dozens of schools around the world have been inspired by Kevin's dynamic speaking engagements, coaching, facilitating, and content creation. You can find more about him at kccatalyst.com. I love his book, Rules of the Red Rubber Ball. Kevin, thanks for joining me on the Learning Unlocked podcast. How are you? Absolutely, B-squared. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, How have you been during, uh, gosh, the last year, year and a half? It's uh, been uh, different times. Yeah, but I think... uh... Everybody had an opportunity to make a choice, and I chose optimism versus pessimism. I chose fighter versus victim, right? And I I chose opportunity versus obstacle. I just decided to double down on all the positive things and share as much inspo as I could with folks and get a little sciencey, learn more about positivity through a specialization series of courses I took through University of Pennsylvania, and now. You know, I've been able to share that wisdom and insight that I've gleaned, but I just know that it's so important for us to recognize the choices we make every single day and they inform all of our actions and decisions and our ability to manifest ideas, hopes, dreams into reality. Before we talk about some of that, let's go backwards for a minute. Tell our listeners how you were inspired to write your book, Rules of the Red Rubber Ball. Uh, my best friend's mom actually. Um, kept uh, prodding me about doing a book because she said there was another me out there that needed to know it was possible to rise above whatever circumstances you might be dealing with. Hmm. And so that was the unlock for me because I really wasn't interested in writing a book that was typical of many books, you know, a nice little uh, book sleeve that's all color and in black and white inside. So I just didn't think that reflected my energy and the way that I saw the world. So she gave me the uh, permission to 
do something that really reflected me and challenged me. And so that's how we came up with the idea. I literally sent it to all these publishers and my proposal, they rejected it and said it was over-designed and too creative, my idea. So I ended up self-publishing my book and it took off and someone at ESPN got a copy as a gift and they contacted me out of nowhere and said they'd like to buy the rights to my book and sign me to a book deal. And so that little book, as my wife calls it, from 2005 to now has sold over 400,000 copies. Boy, those publishers are regretting that decision, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, I, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's a very traditional industry, right? And so when you bring something unexpected, non-traditional, they push back. But I'm glad that I found an amazing uh, printer in Vancouver, BC, and got a amazing design team at Willoughby Design out of Kansas City to work with me on the project. And that book won 23 design awards and has been, you know, in print for 16 years. Yeah, it's amazing. What a legacy and uh, great job by you. In the book, uh, you talk about how sharpening your body and mind helps people achieve their dreams. You know, a lot of people think about the mind. They might not think about the body as much. Explain what you're talking about in the book and how that red rubber ball helps manifest dreams into reality. So the whole idea is about the ball represents the chase, what you're chasing. So it doesn't have to literally be sports or play for you, but it's what gets you out of bed in the morning, right? To chase it. And you know why, like, you know why that it's your calling, it's your passion. And so the whole idea is energy. You have to have energy to get after it. And so the body has to be fit, right and ready. The mind has to be also fit, right and ready to fight the good fight on behalf of your hope, your dream, your aspiration. And I really think people need to understand no dream is microwavable. No goal is microwavable. No idea is microwavable. It's not going to happen overnight. How do you stack those little wins, those micro wins, as I like to call them, day after day after day after day? And then cumulatively, you end up winning, right? You end up getting to the goal. And so I think it's always about energy. And so that's why I talk about sharpening the mind and the body that way. You are like a walking lightning bolt. When you walk into a room, you're just one of the most amazing speakers I've ever seen. Your TED Talks are, are pretty legendary. Um, how can companies right now energize their workforce, especially when many of us have been isolated and not working with our teams in an office for the past year? Yeah, I, I actually um, saw some... I have these Google alerts. I always tell people they should set up their own Google alerts so that Google literally curates for you the things you're interested in and topics. And so one of those that I've been looking at is return to work. And a friend of mine said, it's actually return to life. And I said, yeah, that's actually it. <laughs> so it's like returning to life and all of that. And it doesn't matter if it's a start, stop or whatever. I think businesses need to recognize everyone has been changed by this experience, this global traumatic event. So how do we actually welcome people back in their new iteration, this 2.0 version? We should treat them all like new employees. Hmm. We should onboard everybody again, right? And Yeah, should, that's a great idea. Right? Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, so onboard everyone again, right? And welcome them back and welcome them not back to what they knew, but this new iteration of our business. And Look at your, at your values, right? And the culture, is it going to meet them where they are? 
Or are you holding on to something that might not be relevant anymore? So if we welcome them back as new employees, imagine how cool that would be, right? Even if, if you're still staying at home, like you send a welcome kit, like you just were a new hire. Are you kidding me? People would be like, whoa, what's going on? But well, we're, we'll welcome you back. You're new here because we're all new. And we want you to basically get reindoctrinated into our values, right? Our culture, what we're about. We want to meet you again and we want to meet you where you are. That's something they could do initially. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. Do you think companies do a good job of meeting employees where they are? I know it's not one size fits all, but again, you've worked at Nike. You've worked with, you know, dozens and dozens of corporations. What can companies do to meet their employees where they are, as you say? I I really think it starts with empathy. Your ability to empathize that everyone has been through something. I also believe, you know, how are we becoming better listeners? And how are we curious about our people? I think curiosity really helps to understand your people is you need to be curious about them. Don't just want to see them as a job title and a function and a division or a team within that. They're more than that. And so I think the more that businesses start to recognize people more holistically and and recognize they bring more than just their function, their job title, there's a lot more that they may have to offer. And so how do we start to learn more about them and build a dossier, if you will, about everybody on your team? Maybe you can't tap into everything, but an awareness of the fact that people have, they're more than, I keep saying that you're more than that employee number, you're more than that job title, you're more than that function, right? And I think we've discovered that, right? Because you got a window into seeing people's lives, didn't you? Whether you liked it or not. You saw that on Zooms. You right. saw that. Yeah. Right. That they are more than. So start to recognize that and celebrate that and let them know that it's okay to bring. I don't, you know, the whole idea of your full self. Yeah. You have to, you know, sometimes redact a bit and you can't be, you know, on full freak flag mode, if you will, right? <laughs> just like all of you. But, but I think though, people just having an awareness that I'm more than that. And I think that can really go a long way for organizations to meet employees where they are, especially now because everyone has been changed by this. Kevin, you're an amazing facilitator of conversation. So what you just described, what's the best way to have conversations with employees? Is it on Zoom? Is it meet with everyone in a big room and you do it all at one time? Is it individually for people listening to this and they're wondering what's the best way to facilitate these conversations? What's your recommendation? Well, I, I, I would start, honestly, the best way, maybe it's, it's one-on-ones, maybe they're short and maybe you have to do a series of conversations. Maybe you create 
an intake survey. So you're getting a little bit of in-depth, different kind of questions that you might be asking them. Um, I'm sure there's, um, you know, all these strength finders and all these things, but maybe one of the things that we used in my positive psychology program was values in action, the VIA. And so that reveals um, based on six virtues that you can find in any culture around the world, they have 24 strengths they've created off of that. And the strengths are not weighted. One is the best, 24 is the worst that you're at. It's actually, the, it's by the way you show up. So I look at the top eight, right? One third of that 24, and that's how you show up. That's mm. how you're showing up. And I think maybe getting some visibility into, you know, what people are at at their core as it relates to something that you can find anywhere in the world. And the fact that we've been dealing with a global traumatic event, maybe we need to have a global perspective on virtues and values, right? And that these live everywhere. And so the VIA would be an amazing start as far as like a survey to couple that with the conversation, one-on-one conversation. So you give them a little bit of that, uh, what I call fun work, not homework, right? Some fun work to, to get some more ideas about themselves and then to share that back. And I think that could be really valuable for a start for sure. No, I think that's a really good idea. One of the things we talk about on this podcast a lot is attracting and retaining employees. Mm. A lot of companies can attract good employees, but then they may not be able to retain them. They don't develop them or the employee may learn that, well, maybe the values of this company don't align with my values. So in your opinion, again, you've worked with you know many, many corporations. What is the best way or what are the best ways to retain employees once you've attracted them? Well, I think it's one of the things we know, right? That employees don't leave the company, they leave their managers. Mm. So that's one of the things that leaders and managers need to understand is how you're treating them, how you're valuing them, how you're communicating with them will all lend itself to either the great resignation, which we're hearing about, right? Right. Or the great retention, right? So if people are staying, you need to find out why. And you don't want people just staying out of desperation. And you need to get some insight into why they're staying. And if people are leaving, you know, it's not always easy to find out why they're leaving. But right now, I mean, people are leaving in droves right now, right? The the great resignation is a real thing because folks have realized they're not willing to compromise certain things because they've met their families again, right? right? Or met them for the first time or they met themselves for the first time. Right. So I think the ability to attract is always going to be about that manager, that interaction, the way they discuss, communicate, all that. Then retention is, what is my development plan for you? How am I going to help you get better at what it is you want to get better at? And the only way that I'm going to do that, let's go back to curiosity, empathy, active listening, all the things we previously talked about, and that ability as a leader to see that person and meet them where they are and put together a plan together, right? An agreement around how we're going to raise your game. And I think agreements are always more powerful than what one of my friends said, expectations will always disappoint. Agreements will always be something that elevates. Mm -hmm. So how do you create an agreement between you and 
that person on your team or team members. Because people won't break that promise. An agreement is like a promise to yourself and to someone else. An expectation is the parental wagging a finger at somebody. Right. Right. Well, we have expectations and we are expecting you. Right. We want you to exceed expectations. How about we, you know, you, you exceed desired outcomes. Right. Right. That you deliver beyond what we thought was possible. But expectations always is that. So find a way to help people raise their game. Find out what they're interested in internally and externally. I just had a conversation with someone I'm coaching and, and she's a leader of a team. And she talked about, wow, you know, well, I, gratitude is one of my values in action, VIA. And I said, oh, you've got this great opportunity coming up with a holiday. People always talk about, I'd rather have time than a promotion and, or a new title. Hmm. If I can get time, then I can do other things, things that matter to me. She said, oh, I'm going to give them a plus one day the front side or the back side. I said, and watch what happens. So the idea of just even recognizing that time is a thing that people want. It doesn't matter that they've been home. That a lot of people have been dealing. If you had little kids right now and you've been homeschooling plus like doing your work, woof. Those folks need to exhale, don't they? Yeah. Like, so, so how can you give time to someone? So I think when leaders start to understand from an empathetic standpoint, where their people are, how you meet them, knowing that time is always a thing that you can always gift as a thing of gratitude. You know, the thing we talked about earlier, the, the idea of where, you know, how can businesses, you know, meet their employees where they are. I said the new employee thing, but you know, the other thing that I think would be amazing is how to show gratitude to your team who kept your business going. Right. If those people threw their hands up during this time, your business would have crumbled. Right. So how do we show gratitude? Give them some time back. That's like one of the most basic fundamental things you can do. So I kind of went on my bully pulpit there. I'm sorry. You got a little rev kev just then. So sorry about that. So yeah. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've heard this talked about more in the last year than I've ever heard before. I think some companies, it has become part of their DNA and they're doing a good job. I think others are just doing it for show and it's not true to their DNA. What's the best way to, I guess, convince companies to do the right thing and to listen to their employees and, and really make sure they're paying attention to DE&I? Yeah, I, I think you know one of the things to understand is you're probably not an expert in it, so find one. Find one, find someone that's an expert in it. And then you don't have to hire them, but just get their expertise within your midst and figure out what are the best plan of attack. 
for us and what makes sense and what will feel genuine, right? And not just this cursory effort, right? Okay, we checked the box, we're good, let's keep it moving. So I think finding an expert to help you figure it out and identify the best ways for you to put together a game plan around that. And also long-term, right? Not just, oh, it's a quarterly effort, we're good. Oh, it's just a um, flavor of the month, we're good. No, this is something that your employees are going to hold you accountable for. Even if it's only one employee, that's that one employee who could have a ability, a mouthpiece, right? A platform to put you on blast as a company. So I think it's really imperative that companies think about their DE&I strategy and have clarity around that. If you don't have the um, infrastructure or the people in place to help you with that, then get some expertise inside to help you navigate that and figure it out that what makes sense for you and, that, and the best way to go about really having sustained effort around that. What do you see right now? Because you mentioned employees are paying attention to this. I think people outside the company, customers and, and oh, community yeah. partners, they're all paying attention to this too. And again, I can't remember a time more so than the last year, year and a half, where companies have come out and said, okay, we're going to do this in the DE&I realm. And then people are writing it down on the bulletin board. And if you don't do it, they're going back and keeping score. Are you seeing that? Yeah, they're keeping those receipts. Yeah, they're taking those screenshots of folks that did the black square, right? And they're, uh, you know, keeping those receipts, as they say, right? And they're checking back. And so there's going to be a reckoning. So why not do the work, right? And not be one of those people that are going to be put on blast because People have been paying attention. The streets are always watching, right? Consumers are watching. And they're going to ask you on your, they're going to score you, right? They're going to ask your scorecard on these things that you profess that you care about and that you're going to stand for and the outrage that you've shown. Okay, so what have you done? So I think the more proactive you are and also, you know, transparent, being proactive and being transparent that we haven't figured it out. We're doing the best we can. Here's what we've done up to this point. We've still got work to do. There's a lot of companies out there that need to fill positions and they don't have a lot of time to fill the positions and they don't look as thoroughly as they should. What's the best way to find the diverse pipeline of candidates? Because I know a lot of companies that I've spoken with have struggled with that. And you know, partly it's their fault because they haven't established internships or programs yeah. to identify that pipeline. But in your opinion, and again, someone who worked at Nike and you've worked with big organizations, if companies say, well, I can't find the diverse candidates, how do you answer that? I just think that you have to go on campuses and ask for access to and the ability to speak to the different organization, campus organizations that support all of the diverse populations on their campus. HBCUs are an easy place to go, Mm -hmm. right? Historically Black colleges and universities, go there, make relationships there, right? And on other campuses, make sure that you're tapping into all of the um, clubs, fraternities, different things within that. Right. And that's the way that you can find those students. And once again, how are you not being transactional? How are you trying to be transformational? I, I, I honestly believe that because if it feels like you're trying to be transactional, once again, and checking a box, I don't want anything to do with you. And I'm not going to help you fill a quota. I'm not going to help you feel good about it. 
And that's what I think a lot of companies are getting pushback from this, you know, this next gen, they're not messing around. They are really aware. They have access. They might not be completely informed about everything, but you know what? They have an appetite for learning and that's what they're doing. And they're paying attention to what companies are doing. They're paying attention to your um, CSR report, right? Your corporate social responsibility reports are paying attention to those things and what your scorecard is, what your track record is. And so a lot of why people might not be attracted to working at your company is you have no history of welcoming different and other. So you got to start somewhere. So you have to start to build those relationships and don't think that it can happen overnight. So I think that's a big part of it is finding, you know, some of those destinations on campus, um, looking at direct places where there are pipeline of talent, HBCUs, know what it is you're trying to elevate within your organization with, with what areas, right? If it's engineering, if it's in design, if it's in marketing, brand, whatever, and then find where are those organizations, where there's guilds, right? right? Those organizations, those places where there's memberships, right? And people are, are forming those uh, um, groups around that. And I think that could be super helpful for you. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, your TED Talks are just legendary, like I mentioned earlier. If uh, you're listening to this right now, you've got to go onto YouTube and watch uh, Kevin's amazing TED Talks. What's the recipe for being a memorable public speaker, whether it's doing a TED Talk like you've done or you're just addressing your staff in a staff meeting? How can you be memorable as a speaker? Never take any moment for granted. I don't care if it's a staff meeting that you've been doing for years and it's five minutes, prepare. Because that day, someone may really need to hear from you and you phoned it in. Hey, we've been here before. We know the deal. Go on, do what you do. Okay, great. Bye. It doesn't matter if it's on Zoom or IRL in real life. I don't, it doesn't matter. There are no casual moments in front of someone, whether it's a, an audience of one or greater. It's not casual. Words matter. And you don't know who needed to hear your words. There's um, this little saying, um, you never know how long your words last well after you've spoken them. It's very true. So, yeah. So words matter. And so just prepare, even if it's 30 seconds to just get yourself prepared to think about what it is you're saying and why you're saying it, just being thoughtful. People will appreciate that. And so I think the preparation really matters and words matter. Words matter. So don't phone it in. Don't think there are any casual moments in front of an audience. The other thing that you do so well when you're speaking is you weave compelling, memorable stories into your talks. And, you know, I'm a believer that stories stick. We are emotional, visual creatures. And if you can weave a story into your speech, it's going to be memorable if it's a good one. How do you come up with the recipe for creating a compelling story? Curiosity. I, I'm just a forever curious spirit. So mm -hmm. I, I just uh, try to walk around with eyes of a child, eyes of wonder, eyes of possibility all the time. And I just am always marveling at all the things you can discover when you decide to be where your feet are and be present. I just think there's something really powerful about being as present as possible. So I can walk to my office from 
my house here in Portland and I never have AirPods in. I never have headphones on. I want to be where my feet are. I want to be as present as possible. And I actually have a little exercise I do once a week where I have a look up day where I look up more than I look down at a screen. I'm not usually walking with my phone out or anything anyway, but I use one of my senses, sight, sound, or smell on the walk. I decide which one I want to use and I focus on that and try to discover things. And then when I get to my office, I'll jot down what I discovered. And it's just a good exercise in curiosity and being present and discovery and wonder. And it just keeps you in that childlike way because kids don't miss anything. They got an amazing ability to have their head on a swivel. So I'm just trying to get back to that a little bit. So that's just one of the things that I do as a lookup day each week. Kevin Carroll, founder of Kevin Carroll Catalyst, author of Rules of the Red Rubber Ball. Find him online at kccatalystwithak.com. Kevin, always enlightening whenever we catch up. Thank you so much for joining me on the Learning Unlock podcast. Absolutely, B. Be well and Godspeed. Peace and play, bro. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.